Hello and welcome to this Meetings Today podcast. We're here today with Tracy Stuckrath with Thrive Meetings and Events. Uh, hi, Tracy. Hi, Tyler. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's yeah, the last we're... day of 2018. I know, huh? We're here to celebrate that with a podcast. Woohoo! Yay! I'm <laughs> yeah. excited. This is going to be uh, the best one of the year, I think. We're it saving is. it up. <laughs> uh, it is. And so, uh, for our listeners out there, Tracy is a frequent contributor to Meetings Today and many other sort of uh, meetings entities as a presenter, uh, does webinars and articles and what have you. Um, really, uh, everything about uh, food and beverage, really with a uh, kind of a focus on, on uh, food allergies and uh dietary preferences of meeting planners. Would that be accurate to say? I think so. Yep. That's kind of what I do. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, you're our go-to person uh, anytime there's any, uh, you know, it's, it's such an important, uh, especially food allergies are so important. And I think people are, you know, finally uh, getting the message and it's like a life and death message. Um, are, you, are you think that's accurate or are people really starting to pay attention to this more as they should? I think they're starting to a lot more. I've been doing some interviews for my book that I'm going to release next year. And I mean, there's still some people who are like, oh, this is messes with the vision of our chefs. But then I've talked to some other, like a pastry chef in Orlando. And he's like, at first we were like, whatever. He wasn't like, they were not doing anything about it. But then they got, they had some guests visit that were vegan and they they couldn't eat in any of their outlets in the restaurant or right. in the hotel. And they're like, oh my gosh. And so now he's having an absolute blast making all of these new dishes that are nut free and gluten free and dairy free because he doesn't want his guests to leave the hotel for, to get something. They should be able to accommodate them. So, right, and there, yeah, there's nothing worse I think than being at an event and uh, the person who has like a gluten-free or is a vegetarian even and they get this paltry sort of lame dish and everyone else is like eating these fancily prepared meals uh, but I, I you know I'm seeing almost the converse of that happening now like the the vegan or the you know the vegetarian or what have you they get this cool custom-made meal and everyone else at the table is jealous of them and it, yeah, and it's really nice to see and hear that. And um, I think I sent you an email the other day that, uh, well, f what magazine was it? it? Was The Economist is actually named 2019, the year of the vegan. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And next month I'm going to be doing a bunch of stuff on veganism. It's because it's veganary. And so in for January, like January, except veganary, right? Exactly. So I'm going to be doing some articles on blog posts about that. What exactly does it mean? And how does it, how can it help um, and impact your um, food and beverage? So, and I'm guessing those will be on uh, your Thrive Meetings and Events uh, website. Yes, they will what, be. Mm -hmm. what, what's the website there? So people can check it's it out. Thrivemeetings.com. Excellent. Um, and so, um, you know, one of the reasons I was wanting to talk to you is we, every year we do our uh, Meetings Today trend survey and we ask people, uh, meeting planners, or the people who take the survey, about what they're seeing at their meetings and events as far as uh, restrictions, um, you know, preferences, 
And I'm really noticing a lot of things that are sort of becoming in the mainstream now that maybe weren't, uh, you know, five, ten years ago, like gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, veg- vegetarian, you know, is always there. And, you know, religious considerations are always there. But what are some of the things that you think are just becoming more of something you would expect um, at an F&B program at a meeting or an event? I think the gluten-free is definitely something that is becoming more mainstream. There are still a lot of people that are need to think about it some more and and get with the ball game. But you're and I think it also depends on how you plan your menu because you could just you pick and choose everything on there and then you're like you have to go back and look at it and say oh wow I don't have anything that's gluten-free on this menu or I don't have anything that's vegan Mm -hmm. and that's what I do with some of the people that I work with is like okay you've got five vegans but there's only there's only iceberg lettuce for you to feed them at this event so what are you doing Um, but definitely gluten-free is becoming more standard chefs are changing out um, sauces, you know, mm-hmm. roux that have flour in them. They're using different kinds of flour in them. Um, and so that's becoming a little bit better. Vegans and vegetarians are a couple of people that I've been talking to that definitely seeing the light in fact that you shouldn't be serving two separate dishes for vegans and vegetarians. Mm-hmm. Vegetarians can eat vegan food. Right. Um, and so that helps with special plate orders by com- combining those things as well. Um, I saw something come across my email t- today that keto, the keto diet was one of the highest um, searched and searched um, terms or diet terms on Google this year. So uh-huh. that has become something that people are paying attention to as well. I mean, that, that seems to be something that see, keeps coming and going, right? It used to be the Atkins diet in, in a general sense, and then the kind of the low-carbohydrate diet and the paleo diet, and now everyone's is – it, is it kind of similar or all those things? It, it is, and, and from your statistics that you have too, you'll see that that is the one area that – grew across all of your different categories of association corporate and well it didn't grow in, in independent it dropped actually but um that was the one that across the board increased than more than anything else um and then of, and then the vegan one also increased with associations which i thought was interesting and they're so, used to a lot larger uh audiences probably for their meetings right. yeah exactly so it that was definitely interesting for me to see is the keto and and people are paying attention to it and and following it um paleo kind of falls into that as well because there's no um no grains whatsoever in paleo there's no sugar in paleo um and so that might be what people are also following too so uh, interesting yeah yeah oh maybe uh, really quickly uh for people who not might not be um, you know, familiar with like a term gluten-free. What is what does that mean? So for individuals that have celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease, they must avoid all foods that contain gluten. And gluten is the protein that's found in wheat, rye, and barley. Mm-hmm. And rye, you're pretty much just going to find in rye breads and some alcohols, but the alcohol is a whole different topic. Um, but wheat, Wheat is used in a lot of different things. It's the number one ingredient in Twizzlers. 
Really? Uh, yes, it's in soy sauce. It, so it's in a lot of Asian dishes. Um, wheat is used as a filler in a lot of products as well. So you're going to find it in things that you wouldn't necessarily think that you would find it. And then barley is actually your malts, your vinegars, things like that. And actually, the other day I went to a restaurant and not for an event, but just to go to dinner. And I was having gluten-free fish and chips. I was so excited to have gluten-free fish and chips. And I asked for some vinegar to put on them. Mm -hmm. And she, I, I was in the middle of a conversation and, and she said malt and I said, yes, yeah, that's fine. And didn't think about it until she brought it. And she's like, oh, I confirmed that this is made with corn. And I'm like, it's made with corn. And I turned it around and there's corn in it, but the first ingredient was barley. I'm like, really? this is not gluten-free. So it, so paying attention to those kind of things is really, really necessary. And, and chefs need to pay attention to it a lot more. And I don't expect a meeting planner to know yeah. the ingredients in every, of every dish that's being served, but the chef should. And how do you make sure that the chef knows that? How do you suss it out? Because like you said, I mean, planning a meeting or an event, there's so many loose ends. You know, obviously, uh, a chef is not a, a dietitian or a chemist. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, a, a meeting planner is not. So how do you make sure that uh, the facility and the chef really can deliver on, on the promise? You just have to really ask some questions from this time that you're starting to contract with them, mm -hmm. you know, saying, hey, this is our food and beverage. These are the requests that we got last year. Uh, you know, we had this many gluten free, this many vegans. What can you do? What it, show me some dishes that you've done for these different kinds of dietary needs. And when you're looking at sauces or if you see sauces on there, you need to just say, hey, can you reconfirm this? And Tyler, I can give you some nightmare stories on, you know, incidences. There's one planner who posted on my Facebook page that it said it was a gluten-free salad. And when they brought the salad out, it was in a cone, like an ice cream cone. Uh -huh. And she's like, is that cone gluten-free? And the food and beverage director at that facility is like, well, you, they, the salad is. She's like, but it can't touch it. So, and he didn't get it. Yeah. But the the thing about it though is that I did see the the BEO later on, and at the very top of the the BEO, it said um, served in a cone. So it did say it on there. So both the facility and the meeting planner missed it. Has so, there ever been like a uh, a move to get certification so people can trust uh, the facilities they're using? There's a couple of or organizations out there that you can do training um, for it. You you know, for there are some facilities that I've seen that have put certified gluten-free on their buffet labels, but you can't use that label because that, that certification is actually for manufactured products, you know, in a bag. Mm -hmm. So you can't put that on your buffet because when you're cooking in your kitchen, you, you, your facility is not certified gluten, you're, unless it's made to be that way, your facility is not going to be certified gluten-free mm -hmm. and or allergen-free. So, but you can take training to say we follow these best practices to to do the best that we possibly can, but know that it is a facility that has potentially this in it. So it's more training and understanding and being cognizant of, of how you're preparing it and how you're serving it. Do you hear of planners putting it into their contracts to where there's actually ramifications if, uh, if, if it's not carried out appropriately? I'm 
telling people to do that. Yeah. Um, Tyra Hilliard is a good person to talk to about that. She's um, she and I do a session together as on educating about this, and she's got a new one on food and beverage laws, and so she's talking about it and. And my contract, and Tyler, I can share it with you. I have a downloadable um, that Tyra and I did on sample contract clauses. Oh, yeah, send that. Maybe we can make that available for people listening. Yeah, that would be great. Um, And it just says, you know, facility and planner know that the facility is not a certified gluten-free, but you'll do your best practice, you know, you'll do create your best efforts. But you have to be really diligent in looking at, your BEOs and looking at the labeling, I suggest asking to proof the labels for the buffets before they go out. Mm-hmm. Um, so to avoid, you know, the mishaps of something going out, you know, like I mentioned with the being in a cone. Um, but, you know, reconfirming those and actually outlining how you want your food to be labeled in your BEO. And in one of, in the sessions that I teach, I'm like that BEO is a contract. It's an additional contract than the one that you signed for the food and beverage. So, mm-hmm. and that's what the hotel and the convention center staff, that's their Bible. So yeah. if it doesn't say it on there, they don't know to label it. Right. And the serving staff and the bank, the front of the house are the ones that are usually making the labels. So. And then, you know, and besides that, uh, I mean, there's really life and death issues when it comes to allergies, such as nut mm-hmm. allergies, right? Oh, totally. And I actually was chatting with a lady the other day who was, um, she's got an avocado um, allergy and she bit into a chicken salad at a hotel and instantaneously knew it was avocado and was standing with clients and had to run to the bathroom and spit it out and clean out her mouth and and everybody, nobody was like, oh, what what's going on, you know? Yeah. So it's, there's life and she's, you know, highly allergic to avocados, but it's the, it's amazing how many people I talk to that have different dietary needs. When you start telling people what you do, um, they just start spewing out information. But um, it, it can be deadly serious. And I, there's an article or a video that I'll be posting online about a young woman who died after eating in a restaurant. And this was yeah. in London and she had been informed, told them that she had a peanut allergy and she ended up dying. Oh my goodness. And the restaurant owners were just um, sentenced to, they were manslaughter. They were sentenced to manslaughter. So they've been put in jail and they've been forbidden to ever own a restaurant again. Wow. So you don't want that to happen. (laughs) That's the last thing we want to happen. And you know, and of course you don't want it to happen uh, and you want to, ensure every sort of uh, you know avenue for it not to happen and I'm guessing the first line of defense is to really be diligent in communicating with your attendees before you uh, you know even get to the meeting now, do you have any tips for that I mean uh, people you have to know uh, you what your attendees you know restrictions or allergies are yeah, and it's it's definitely asking them, and I I suggest putting it as a check checkbox mm-hmm. versus an open ended because the open endeds will drive you bonkers. Um, but putting checkboxes, and because the way that I teach it is that eating was added to the Americans with Disabilities Act back in two thousand and eight, so it now gives people with celiac disease and diabetes and food allergies 
civil rights protections under the ADA. Mm -hmm. And so when you're asking if anybody has a disability that you need to accommodate, you should put food allergy or you should put diet medically necessary dietary needs as an option. Mm -hmm. And and then you can break it down to food allergies, diabetes, celiac, things like that, and then ask for preferences. And it so then you know that information and I suggest making it mandatory. Some people don't want to make it mandatory because they don't want to force people to answer it. You always have to make sure that there's an answer of none or no. Mm -hmm. And but but you also have to communicate it to your catering team well in advance. So give them updates monthly. You know, hey, here's our dietary needs list, you know. And and if if somebody's got a severe one, put them in touch with the chef directly. Because yeah. the chefs are going to be they can't look at one that's got 15 line items on it and what am I going to make you? They really want to know what you can eat so that yeah. they can prepare it for you in a safe environment. And there are so many people, this is my new little phrase, with their fingers in the food. Mm -hmm. When we're planning an event, you've got the planner and the salesperson and the catering CSM and the chef and the line cooks and even the front of the house staff that sets up the room, you know, under, and the servers. They've got their fingers in the food because they're delivering it. And so there's a lot of communication that needs to happen there. And I think it's really important that planners set the standard for how they want to communicate with their hoteliers and vice versa. Hey, hoteliers, tell your meeting planners, this is how we manage these dietary needs and this is what we need from you and these are the deadlines we need. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and I imagine too, I mean, in speaking with the culinary team or the chef, there's you can ask them questions about specific requirements and if they aren't well versed on answering those questions that's a that's a red flag right there that's a big red flag i would definitely um years ago i know a planner who was doing a wedding and the caterer's like oh yeah we can do gluten-free and then like three weeks out they're like what's gluten-free mm -hmm. and so making sure that you're doing your due diligence and asking the right questions we had it Spin, I think Lori was at this one. Um, the, uh, two years ago, we had senior, the Apple Woman. That was a senior uh, planner's uh, industry, industry network. network. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. At that convention two years ago, mm -hmm. not yeah, um, we had somebody with an apple allergy. Really? And like an anaphylactic to apples. Oh and so goodness. I talked to the management team and we decided to make the entire event apple free and um, the day before the event was starting, I sat down with the chef just to go over all of the menu items once again, and we found three of his sauces that contained apples in it. So we had he had to change those sauces. Wow. So, um, but she was so excited to be able to come because we made it completely apple free except for technology products. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. I was just wondering, uh, you know, we should uh, close out the podcast now, but is there any sort of top three, top five things that planners should always have on their mind when, they, when it comes to this issue? Um, definitely ask about your dietary restrictions, because if you, if you don't ask, you're actually excluding your attendees from the food functions and making them fend for themselves and or going hungry. So definitely ask, and then the next one, so that you don't make them feel excluded, is you need to totally carefully work with your food and beverage partners to create menus that are inclusive and have options more than just crudite. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then make sure that you're you're putting it into your contracts, your banquet event orders, as well as your catering contracts to make sure that everybody understands the communications methods and how it's being communicated to the attendees and then tell, you know, communicate that to the attendees too. And I would say uh, confirm, confirm, confirm oh, all yes. along the way. Yep, 100%. Excellent, well, thank you for joining us, Tracy. You're welcome, Tyler, thanks for having me on. All right, and uh, happy new year. Happy New Year to you too. I'll talk to you next year. Exactly. I, I, I'll, I'll have a hard time waiting that long. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, thank you guys, uh, everyone out there in listener land for joining us for this Meetings Today podcast. Um, you can go to our website at meetingstoday.com and just go to the podcast section or just type in meetingstoday.com forward slash podcast. We have a number of great podcasts available with experts in many segments of the meetings industry. So uh, hope you enjoy it and go out. If you're listening to this, uh, you're probably going to listen to this in the new year. So I hope you had a happy new year. Have a good rest of the day and have a good 2019.